Hey, welcome to Younger and Older. This is Jason and Dave hanging out at the studio at Silver Birch Ranch here in the Northwoods of Wisconsin. And we're on the, the, the doorstep of fall. Leaves are slightly starting to change. The crispness is beginning to be in the air. And, so is the darkness. And the darkness. I don't like the darkness. No, I wish we could just keep the light all year round like we have it. But, but daylight know. savings, right? Yeah, I don't understand that. Who started that stuff? Ah, uh, some guy somewhere. Yeah, I don't know. I, whoever did, they should call him wrong and stop it. And just do it all the time. I mean, we should have one time thing. Just one. Just one. Yeah, just leave it so we don't have to change it. But it would still create darkness. Why do we do it? I mean, I'm sure somebody knows why we actually do it. I'm sure somewhere. Because we're trying to save daylight? Is it going anywhere? That's what I mean. <laughs> So when we go to the daylight savings, I'm sitting there thinking, huh? Huh? That's funny. <laughs> we're not changing anything. Yeah. We're, we're like fooling the whole world. Now you have an extra hour. There you or go. Or we have less than it. Yeah. It's like, no, you just moved it to the other end of the day. Yep. And, and, and what I've come to realize is like growing up, like, I'm like, oh, yeah, in the fall, it's like, man, I get an extra hour. I could stay up later. It's awesome. Then I became a parent of young kids. <laughs> and I'm like, whoever thought of this is... Not ingenious. So do you like the summer hours or the winter hours? Um, I don't know. Probably the summer hours. Well, yeah. but it's hard to tell because during the summer, obviously, we have more daylight in general. Yeah. Well, I like it. I would like it lighter, longer, not earlier. Yes. I would rather have, yes, lighter, longer. Yeah. Not... So I think I'd like to just keep what the summer, whatever that is, I'd like to keep those hours. Yeah. But we're going to change it soon and then we get to really. It's not know, really that soon. It's like no. two months away, but. But we do get to change it so that we're really dark in November and December. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's true. Tough stuff. Yeah. Anyways. All right. Uh, enough of that. Enough of hey, that. Now, how old were you when 9-11 uh, hit? I was a sophomore in high school. So do you remember, did they turn the TVs on that day and you watch it? Or? We did. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at least in a couple of my classes. There was a couple of my cl teachers that just kind of went on with life. and. That, that, yeah. yeah, probably not even aware that it was a big deal at right. that point. Right. I mean, even as a sophomore in high school, I realized it was a big deal. And so it was just like, why are... Anyways, that's a different story. Yeah. Well, I knew it was a big deal. We were starting uh, a year of Nicolay Bible Institute that day. And uh, Ron Elwert, who you know, uh, was here. He was dropping off his daughter for school. And I was actually getting my car repaired in Anago. And he was with me because I was going to take him to the airport after that. Oh, okay. And drop him off so he could fly back to Arizona. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm in Anago and sitting, waiting, and on the monitor that, you know, they had in the little lounge there, yep. in the black and white television, uh, all of a sudden I looked up and I saw It was still black plane. and white? It was in that place. Oh, wow. It's, you know, it's rural, rural world. This is pretty cool. You, you did have some stale coffee in there to drink, too. That's good. Yeah, stale coffee and a black and white television. It, up here, it doesn't get any better than that. <laughs> <laughs> So we were looking, and, and all of a sudden, I looked up, and out of the corner of my eye, I saw this airplane hit a building. I go, oh, that's weird. Yeah. And so then I paid attention, and then another one hit, and then uh, we were both watching it, and it was like, wow. You know, there's there's something really strange going on. So I really didn't get it yeah. at that point. I just thought some some pilot lost track of what they were doing and ran into a building in New York. You know? yeah. So, I mean, that's how Midwestern I am. It's like, I don't know if that's too bad. And then uh, on the way home, we had the news on, and all of a sudden, uh, my buddy gets a call saying, you know, flight's been canceled. Yeah. And I'm saying, your flight's been, why? 
And then we realized there's a problem here. All the flights in the oh. world are canceled. Right. And uh, so he got stuck staying with us for a while and until the, the airplane thing cured up a little bit. But um, So do you know, there's life, it, we all knew that this was going to be, a, you know, this was an attack. It was very much compared to like Pearl Harbor. Yeah. It, it was a little different than Pearl Harbor. Right. And that we train these people. Yeah. So it's a little different. But. So it was a unique attack on the United States of America, a tragic attack. It, I think it brought out the best in our country. It brought out the worst in the world in yeah. certain instances. But did you, did you actually identify the world changing at that point, or has the world just been that way So as you grew up, so you just, it's the way it is? Um, do you have much pre-9-11 memory of how we did this? Yeah, things? you know, I, I know like, there's practical things that changed. Like obviously, um, you go to the airport and things are different. Yeah, you know, so those sort of. But things did you changed, experience but... that a lot, or was that just told you? Uh, well, I had gone to, um, like, I did we in eighth grade. So pre nine okay. eleven, we went bit. we went out to Washington D.C. and all that, and you know, and and not only that, but even you saw it in in media how like you could go drop off people at the airport without having to like even on a flight you can go all the way to the gate and wave goodbye right like that sort of stuff like right. I, I do i remember that whereas now like that's not even like a choice yeah um so you think of that but like outside of that like i can't think of anything like substantial that i could say like wow this was a significant difference yeah you know if i think i think for me in my generation it, it got it was the point where we began to not trust people according to how they looked hmm yeah before that, honestly, it didn't matter how you looked. Right. As far as real danger. I mean, mm -hmm. you might not have understood somebody. If, if you're you know, from Mexico and you look at me as Swede, you may not understand me. I understand that. But yeah. it, it wasn't that you were thinking, oh, this could be a bad person. Yeah. And I suppose I, I, I would say that the, the idea of, you know, we use it in a lot of ways now, but it was kind of an introduction of the, at the time of the, of the term terrorist. Right. Because before that, if you were to say terrorist, you wouldn't, like, I don't think I would have anything to affiliate it with. Right. Terrorist, jihad, I mean, all that kind of stuff. Right. You know, and so I think it kind of created that category. And and obviously, and since then, I think we've even added, you know, much like anything, kind of watered down the meaning of what that means. Right. In a lot of ways. but. And I think that, that the world experienced something that is going to be used both in the future and is being used now, that the introduction of the warfare of fear. Mm. Yeah. You know, it, it wasn't so much, I mean, I doubt they'll be able to take big airplanes and run them into buildings again because we've got all these safeguards in place and all that stuff. I'm sure it can, it's possible, but I, I think it'd be harder, yeah. you know, to do today. And what's interesting now is that we've, we've assimilated to the culture of fear. We've just gotten used to it. Right. So you go into an airport and you have to go through all these checkpoints now. Mm -hmm. because we live in a culture of fear. We, we can't trust people. Right. Now, most people don't think philosophically through this, it's, it's, but ideas have consequences. So now, if you have to go into public places, you go into, um, uh, for example, now it's normal. My wife and I are going to a conference next week in Nashville, and it's being held at uh, where they play hockey there, whatever that arena is. Yeah. So naturally now, we contacted the place ahead of time and said, what is acceptable to bring into the arena? Yeah. We never used to do that. Right. I mean, you could walk in with bags and all kinds of stuff. Now you have to have these clear, ugly, 
well, I call them Barbie bags. You know, the kids might. Oh, you got a Barbie bag? No, well, little Dave. a little backpack that's clear plastic. Can you take a selfie with it for me? <sighs> totally unmanly. I'm, I'm going to send you. you this some, is totally. I'm going to send you some peeps to put yeah, in your clear, totally. clear bag. Yeah, totally. I mean, but you can get in with this clear plastic thing. Yeah. That they call a clear plastic backpack, which I would never backpack it. Yeah. I, can you imagine what I would look like with a clear little? Oh, I can imagine. Because it can only be little. So it's like this four-year-old backpack. It would look cute on you, Dave. Yes, it would. <laughs> but that's what you can bring in now. And the yeah. funny thing is it's all because of fear. Right. And, you know, sometimes, you know, fear is warranted, I guess. Uh, it, you know, you should have some fear that uh, in our area, if you're walking across the street, that a logging truck might hit you. I mean, that. So you will look both ways, and you don't just step out in the street. So sometimes fear could be a yeah. healthy thing. But I think, for me, the biggest change since 9-11 is we've become a culture that can now, that lives in fear. And, and from that, we've isolated ourselves more. Mm. Yeah. So instead of uh, enjoying the diversity of different ethnic groups and peoples, we've isolated ourselves, and we suspect different Ethnics, you know, ethnicities and things of, of things that they could be doing. Yeah, I have a friend who's um, who whose name gives him away as as somebody who grew up in the Middle East, and he did. And I've joked with him often. I said, "Man, it must be tough going through an airport with your name and your looks." Yeah, you know. And again, as a friend, he he knows what I mean. I'm not. Right. He goes, "It's terrible." Yeah. I said, "How many times did they stop?" He goes, "I get random searched every time I get on a plane. I'm mm-hmm. the random one." Yeah. See, you're not random. They're looking at you. You fit the whole profile. Yeah. You got the name. You got the look. Uh, you know, he says, I know. So do you? I, what do you do then? I just give myself extra time at the airport. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so when you sit at a chair in an airport, does everyone, like, move away from you? He goes, they do. If they're not, you know. Yeah. I said, that's funny. I said, but that's how it is now. Right. You know, would you blame somebody? That's the question I'm asking. It's not, you, you don't know what's going on in people's heads anymore. And so this, I think, began really 9-11. I think before 9-11, I could, the world could care less. Mm-hmm. At least the world I grew up in, you would sit next to anybody in the airport. You wouldn't be checking people out all the time. You wouldn't be wondering if they're going to bomb you when they get on a plane. You, you wouldn't be thinking, you know, they got a gun under their whatever. Yep. And now you're wondering all the time. Mm-hmm. So I think that's changed and not for the better uh, because of it. And unfortunately, um, then the news media plays up on it. And and right. so before you know it, it's, it's worse fear than it actually should be. Right. Because really, a majority of people are not carrying a bomb. Mm-hmm. So to think that they are is going to like ruin all your relationships. Yeah. So that's my big take on it. I don't I don't know. I I just keep wondering if younger people really cuz they grew up that way now if that's new to them. It wasn't how I grew up. Mm-hmm. You weren't afraid of people when I grew up. Yeah. So that's a whole different story. Well, it's interesting interesting too, you know, cuz thinking back on that and and looking at it and you know, you look at even how the news media played into creating that fear. Right. You know, because even when you look back at at, at the way that news reported it, you know, they reported it not in, I mean, there was factualness, but there's always a bent to news. And I think that we see that more and more as time goes on, especially in the last couple of years. 
But you even see it as far back as then because you look at the way that they reported it. And they they twisted it because they wanted to give America like a target. Right. As a rather than like reporting the facts. Right. You know, and I've looked into it a little bit um, in, a, in a marketing class. And there was one news agency at the time that did it totally different from anybody else. And they rather than focusing on like what happened, which sounds weird, they focused on, all right, why is this happening? Yeah. And they actually reported the news in that way. Right. You know, and and it was interesting. Yeah, and so well, it, it just makes you it just makes you like look at the way that we even intake stuff and how there's always a bent to it and an agenda. There is. You know. Yep. And so and that's the unfortunate thing. And so knowing that, I mean that was twenty years ago now almost. Right. You know, and that's just progressively getting worse. And so now it's not as easy as just turning on the news to see what's happened. It's like, all right, how are they twisting this to make me feel something? Right. You know, and that that's the scary part to me, you know. So like even and we kind of had something recently, not as crazy. So I'm not even yeah. going to compare the two, but with America pulling out of Afghanistan. Right. Right. You know, I mean, talk about, you know, like I wasn't alive during Vietnam to know what that feeling felt like when we decided to right. finally pull the plug. But I feel like there are some similarities for those that have fought in this Afghan, you yeah. know. Oh, there are. Yeah. And and to say like, all right, you know, and I'm sure there's a lot of emotions, but you look at the way the media is covering it, you know, and it's it's like, man, you can get a totally different story depending on what channel you turn on. Right. Which is weird. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the Afghan war for your generation is the Vietnam war for us. It's, it's very similar. Um, I never thought I'd live through another one like that. Yeah. And once again, it's hard for me because I back the United States of America going places and helping those in the poor world that yeah. need help. Those who are being abused by somebody that's got power, I, I think we should run to their rescue. So I'm, I'm, my generation is still that way in our brains. You know, yeah. if, if somebody's beating you up and we know it and we can stop it, we'll try. Right. Again, once it gets politicized, there's a problem. Mm-hmm. The thing that we came to a very um, hard conclusion, I think, in Vietnam, my generation. Yeah. And the hard conclusion from those who fought in Vietnam that were our friends. I did not fight in Vietnam. So people listening say you were. Yeah. No, that was my generation. I was just at the end of it. They quit the draft. I, I just, I had friends at the. Yeah. My dad was in Vietnam. Yeah. And we know many yeah. that fought in Vietnam. I mean, that's not an issue for knowing people. And and talking to them, and they will all say the same thing. We could have won that war. Yeah, It was the politicians that stopped us. Right. And then because they stopped us, we had to watch people die. Mm. And, and we had to leave. Yeah. And we came home with our tail between our legs. Yeah. Because we lost. We didn't have to lose. At 100% of the Vietnam vets that I talked to said that's what bothers them. Mm. Not... Not that the war ended, not that, I mean, things end and things change, right. and, but that we weren't allowed to do what we went over there to do yeah. because of politics. And I think um, we'll probably find down the road that the Afghan vet, which, again, I'm thankful for anyone that's willing to go protect people who are in trouble. Mm-hmm. And we should be proud of those guys and those ladies that went and served. But I think they're going to feel the same way that the politics got in the way of the victory. And because of the politics, 
they feel like they wasted their time and there's people that died that didn't need to. And, and now we're a disgrace in the world. And, and we went there to try and help. Mm-hmm. So I think it is the similar feeling. Right. And, um, you know, after the Vietnam War, it took, I think, a long time to start to rebuild any confidence in the U.S. military. Right. I think that's going to have to happen again. I don't, you know, I don't know people that have confidence in the military right now. Right. So. Which which is unfortunate because it's not that our military is not skilled. Right. It goes back to the politicians that control the military. Right. They are being controlled by pol- politics, not policy. And, and, and when we talk politics, I mean, what are we talking about? 535 people? Yeah. If that? You yeah. know, if you add up Congress, you know the White House. That's kind of scary. It is. You know, and, you know, that's 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 where we're moving towards. Yep. And uh, it's amazing the impact that that can have. And not only that, but because it's politics, then everything plays into that. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. Boy, I love the idea of checks and balances, but there there is no balance right now. I think the pol- to, since the Vietnam War, yeah, the political leaders have run wars. And they've been more about politics than they've been about what's right and wrong. Mm. And, you know, I'm 65 years old, and that's honestly what I think about it. So people may or may not be talking about it in those terms, and I may be wrong, but that's the impression I get. There's no possible way now that I could trust our military system. Um, And when I was a kid, trusting the military, trusting police officers... That was part of life. Right. It isn't anymore. Yeah. That's been taken away from us. Again, I think the biggest change in our culture in my lifetime is we've turned into a culture of fear. Mm-hmm. Um, I know in my generation, you know, it may have started with the atom bomb. Yeah. In that sense. But there was a, the difference with that and like Vietnam, the difference was that our leaders explained a war strategy to us. Mm-hmm. They said this. They said, you know, obviously those atomic weapons destroyed a lot of lives. They destroyed a lot of people. And, and, and not, you can't take that back. But what happened was the decision was made because the leaders felt, and again, this was explained to us as kids, so whether, it, whether history ever proves anything else, I don't know. But the decision was simply if we continued in this war, Mm-hmm. They always have a number of people they said they would lose. I mean, the Army does that. The, the War Department does that. So if we go into this country and fight, we'll probably lose this many men. Yeah. All right? So that's what they would do. And they said if we would continue the war in the theaters we were in, we would lose this many soldiers. Yeah. If we dropped an atomic weapon and they surrendered, they would lose this many, and it was about the same. Mm-hmm. And they said, we made the decision then. Either way, people are dying. Right. We need to stop the war. And I thought as a kid, okay, that makes sense. You want to stop the war. Right. You know, I mean, you want to stop it, but you don't know how. Right. So I, as a kid, would give the leadership at that point at least uh, some kudos by saying, okay, I'm glad I'm not you. You made a tough decision. I understand why you did it, whether we agree or not. It doesn't matter. I'm a kid. You know, I mean, at least you had a reason for it. Yeah. 
and um, but now then Vietnam came and all that stuff, and then, and now Afghanistan. You're looking at it going, huh? Mm-hmm. We this time we stopped the war and just left. Yeah. And we let bygones be bygones, and and it went right back to the people we went in the first place to get out of there. I don't understand that at all. Yeah. Anyway, how how do you deal? How do you teach your kids to not deal with uh, living their total life in fear? I think uh, you just got to talk through. I th- I think a lot of those sort of things comes to talking and processing things and being able to process in front of them and with them. Um, you know, because I mean, the most, the most, I mean, even recently, there's been a lot of fear with Corona oh, virus. Yeah. You know, and I mean, so, the fear continues. Yeah, and so there, there's fear everywhere. Um, we're not going to get away from fear until uh, we're re- reunited with Jesus in a right. lot of ways, because because fear is a is a very real thing. And so, depending on the situation, it's just talking through, you know, and bringing into perspective. You know, the reality is is that we're called to love God and love others. And keep that in the mindset of the fact that this world is only a temporary place for us um, until we're reunited for eternity with Jesus, uh, with a new heaven, a new earth. And so death is a real thing. It doesn't mean that we wish death on anybody, but it means that that's a part of this life. It is. um, At least physical death. But that means that we need to make decisions in a way that we can enjoy God, enjoy others in the moments that we have and do that in a responsible way um, and fear the things that you need to fear, but not fear the things that you don't need to fear, if that yep. makes sense. And so that's, that's all dialoguing is trying to figure out, all right, is this something that I need to fear um, or be cautious of? Yeah. It's funny because in the Bible it, it says that, you know, if you're really wise, it starts with the fear of God. Yeah. So what we see is that, Fear is actually a, a motivation. It's a tool that God uses to get us in the right place. And the fear of God there is not, um, actually there's, there's a couple of different kinds of fears that are used in the Bible. But if you're going to go against God, you should have a certain kind of fear. Yeah. Because you're going against God Almighty and you should have a fear of that. But if you are his child, you should also have a fear of God as, yep. as a tremendous respect, that kind of thing. So wisdom starts with understanding that God is the ultimate power and a fear of God. And if you really know God, you know that he loves you and he forgives you, etc. I think the only hope for the world, the only hope, and it, I know, it, but is God. <laughs> because if you put your fear in the right place, then everything else is under control. If you yeah. fear God, he's the one in charge, not, not Corona, not the Afghanistan, not the Taliban. He is. Mm-hmm. Um, I asked one of my students just the other day, he was talking about not understanding God. And I said, well, I can make it even more confusing for you if you'd like. Yeah. And he said, why? I said, so is, is God a murderer? Hmm. And he paused. I said, you know, everyone's going to die and he decides when and how. Mm-hmm. Does that mean he kills people? Right. Well, they walked away shaking their head like, I don't know. Well, you know, the reality is God actually loves everybody he ever created. Yeah. And he wants to be with them for eternity. And if you're going to fear something, fear God, enjoy who he is. And and it makes the other fears go into perspective. Mm -hmm. You know, so am I afraid of getting the coronavirus? No. Will I get it? I might. Mm -hmm. Will I die from it? It could be. Yeah. See, but it's not a fear thing. I'm not going to readjust my entire life. I may use my common sense. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to wash my hands. 
if I'm sick, I'm going to stay home. If you're coughing and slobbering all over me, Jason, I'm staying away from you. You know, I mean, those, <laughs> those kinds of things. Yeah. But, I mean, that's that makes sense. Yeah. But also, the important things in life are human relationships. You don't stop those. You know, you, you don't stop them. You, you keep them going. And I think that Satan loves taking spiritual concepts and using them for himself. So fear is something he's just twisting. And um, the only answer is really you need to know God. And if I'm raising children like your children right now, the only answer for them to have stability in the future is to understand God's the only one that's stable. So he's the one you need to know. That's right. And the rest of the world, guess what? It's going to come. It's going to go. It's going to. It's going to please you. It's going to make you angry. It's going to. You're going to have a house burned down one day. You're going to have a house stand forever. I, you don't know this stuff. Yeah, right. Right. But there's one stability. Right. That'll get you through. So. Right. And I think the key is is understanding that. Understanding that yes, things could happen, but not living in fear. Right. You know, living responsibly and, and just taking it one day at a time, trusting that God, who is stable, you know, is the one that's going to protect you and guide you and give you the opportunities to to live the life that he wants you to live absolutely you know what was it fdr said the only thing to fear is fear itself yeah you know there's a lot of wisdom there there is um, and satan knows that by the way yeah so you know you you all of a sudden you have a a funny spot on your arm and you're thinking i'm gonna die of cancer don't yeah. start there right don't start there Go ahead and get it checked. Right. That's fine. Well, and I mean, you even see that, and not, I don't want to downplay COVID, but you even see that now every time somebody gets a cough. Right. You know, I'm sure people are like, oh no, do I have COVID? Or, yeah. you know, you're in a public spite and, and somebody coughs or sneezes, you know, no, it's like all the other, you know, infections and viral things that go around have all of a sudden disappeared yeah. and it can only be COVID. And, and, and some of it's cultural, unfortunately. Right. Uh, I know my wife and I are going to fly, you know, this weekend. And she was having a scratchy throat and that kind of thing. And she said, well, what do I tell them at the airport if they ask if I have symptoms? Yeah. I said, well, I'll tell you what, I'll run over and get a COVID test and give it to you. Right. So if they ask if you have symptoms of COVID and you don't have it, you say no. Right. Because I gave you a test. And so I did. I went over and got, we have tests at camp. And I tested her and she's negative. It's like, okay, this isn't a COVID symptom then. Right. And that's the thing. But that's that's now the culture we live in. I know. But of, the sad know. thing is I had to go get a test. Right. You know, it's like, oh, are you kidding me? Yeah. You know, and, and even as we talked about how 9-11 changed things, I'm curious to see, you know, I mean, we're not that far. I mean, we're still in this pandemic, as people would say. But, you know, it, it, things have already changed. I mean, you're going to, like you said, you might have to test. I'm sure yeah. you got to wear your mask on the plane. I know. You and know. they told us we have to wear them in between sips of water. Yeah. I'm thinking... You know, if there's one thing I really don't like, it's wearing a mask. I mean, all the rest yeah. of the I don't argue. I don't care about your vaccinations. Dad. I don't care if you get one or you don't. I really don't. Yeah. Please don't make me wear a mask. Right. Just, that's all I'm asking. Yeah. Um, and it's not going over well because I have to keep doing it places. And I think, oh, I'm going to figure out ways to poke holes in these things. Or I, I am a little claustrophobic. Yep. Yep. I, but that's probably because I'm deranged or something. I have no idea. But I, I just don't. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not blaming anyone for it. I'm just saying I really hate those things. That's right. And I guess just hating something isn't a good reason not to do it. Yeah. So it's a good discipline for me to just do it anyway mm -hmm. and say, I hate this, but I'm doing it. 
because yeah. I should. I don't want to just stand up and demand a right or something. Right. Anyway. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, that's all the time we have on the show today. I, you know, just want to encourage you listeners to continue to check in, join us. Uh, feel free to head over to silbertranch.org and you guys can check out other podcasts that we do and catch up on the series or different things or um, if you want to re-listen to this episode. But for now, this is Jason and Dave here at Silbert Ranch and younger and older. Take care. Bye-bye.